So, welcome to week two of the Beyond Limits class. And this week's teaching is titled Forming and Filling. And so, what's interesting about when I pulled up my notes for this week, uh, I remembered what happened the last time I taught this. And there was a, I don't know if you all have hectic and chaotic days like I do sometimes. Um, but I remember now that the last time I went to teach this class, it was a very, very hectic day and I had my scriptures, but I didn't have any notes. And so I pulled that up about 15 minutes before class and I thought, Oh, all right. So I'm going to have to rely on the spirit to lead tonight. I think I can handle that. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> forming and filling. So let's talk just a little bit about last week and kind of our introductory, uh, class just to kind of get up to speed and just so you know, each week kind of ties into the week before. And so last week we talked about, um, having one source for truth, which is the father and the spirit of God in us, it's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. And so really just kind of laying that foundation for everything else that's going to happen, um, week, uh, two through five. And so, um, tonight is a little bit more foundation as well. What I kind of want to do is look at, an attribute of the father and how he uh, essentially created the earth. He began to form things and then he began to fill them. And so we see this recurring idea of the father putting things together, building them, making vessels or environments, and then filling them with his himself and with his people with his will, with his, with his desires, with his heart for us. And so in order, we, I want to lay that foundation because it's very important that we see that this is what the Lord has done. I believe it's what it's con- he's continuing to do. It's part of his heart and his will for people, for creation, for earth, for us. And so not only does he do that, he forms and fills, but then he invites us into his plan. So he just doesn't make something and then put something there and then not partner with what he's created or done. So he has a will. He has a heart. He has something that he's decided to do to will forth. And so then he begins to build or form and then he fills. And so um, just this idea of forming and filling, giving something a, uh, a purpose. So we typically say that um, form or function. What is it? Form follows function or form brings function, something like that. So as long as we, we, the form of something determines the function of it. And so he builds us. And when he makes us, when he's created us, he's created us with a purpose. And we're going to talk more about destiny and, uh, we'll talk more about him inviting us into his will in some of the coming weeks. But again, I want to lay this foundation. I want to lay down this narrative using some uh, some of these scriptures tonight. So let's start in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and through 21. And so I just want to, this, uh, this Ephesians 3 verse, um, it's kind of a foundational verse for the Beyond Limits class. And next week, uh, we'll talk a little, bit, a little bit about not limiting the Lord, but um, there's something interesting in this verse that he showed me 
when I was putting together these notes these last time around. So let's just dive in and we'll read it together. So it says, I pray that from his glorious riches, he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Ruach or his Holy Spirit, so that Messiah or Jesus, Yeshua, may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to grasp with all the Kedoshim or the holy ones or the people of God, what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled up. So there's that that word we're talking about forming and filling so that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine by means of his power that works in us to him, be the glory in the community of believers and in Messiah Yeshua throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so there's this idea that we are to be filled up with all of the fullness of God. So we've been created by the father and ultimately our purpose. And in Ephesians, this is the apostle Paul and he's praying for the people of God. And one of his prayers that we get is that he sees the people of the people of God, all the Kedoshim, the holy ones, And his heart for them is to be filled up with the fullness of God. And it comes through us by the spirit in us being able to grasp what is the length, the height, the depth of the love that Yahweh has for us that surpasses knowledge. So here we get a little bit of this idea of going beyond limits in that there is a love that surpasses knowledge. It goes beyond what we can actually know or grasp with a human understanding. And I heard somebody say that um, before, and I always like to quote this, that if we're going to understand a love that surpasses knowledge, then we have to give up our right. Or if we're going to grasp a love that surpasses knowledge, we have to give up our right to understand it. Because understanding mean or knowledge means we can understand it, we can grasp it in our mind. It makes sense. It's logical. And the love of the Father is so not logical. It goes beyond anything that that you know. It everything that we think is makes somebody deserving or worthy in love. It goes beyond that. And so his love is, excuse me, his love is unconditional. And so Paul's prayer is that we do that. But then it says now to him who's able to do far beyond all we ask or imagine by means of his power that works in us. And so another idea of us limiting God comes from this idea that he's able to do far beyond what we ask or imagine. And so sometimes even in our imagination and in our asking, we limit what the father can do by the things that we ask. I've said this before that we only ask for what we think we're worthy of. But if we were to actually see ourselves through the eyes of Yahweh, we would realize that he has such a desire to love us far beyond what we can even imagine or think of. And so um, the prayer here is that we would grasp that and that once we grasp the love of Messiah that surpasses knowledge, 
we would then be filled up with the fullness of God. The fullness of God comes from a greater supernatural, spiritual, spirit-led understanding of the love of God for us. So the more we, we come to know that love that surpasses knowledge, again, that's a supernatural act, right? Beyond Limits is a scriptural journey into embracing supernatural possibility. So we have to supernaturally come to an understanding of the knowledge of the love that God has for us. And then when we begin to understand that on a deeper level, we begin to be filled with the fullness of God. You know how people will pray, Lord, fill me up, fill me up. Really what we don't know that maybe we're asking sometimes is that we have a deeper supernatural understanding of the love that God has for us, right? Fill me up. Well, the more we're filled and and understand his love, the more we have his fullness and his presence and his heart and his mind and his love for others. And so there's this idea again, and we'll kind of now reverse engineer this. I, I kind of gave the, the, um, gave away the answer, let the cat out of the bag at the very beginning, but the Lord is forming us and filling us. And so we're to be filled with the fullness of God, the presence of God, the love of God, the knowledge of God, the experience of God, so that we can be on this earth and that we can navigate this life in a way that we are continuing doing the father's will. The church is the chosen vessel to continue moving the presence of God into the earth. There's a scripture that says, as surely as the seas or the the waters cover the seas, so will the knowledge of the glory of God fill the earth. And so it's not just that the Lord is filling the earth with his knowledge of his glory by sending his spirit out, but it's that by the spirit that's in us by, so, so that you would be strengthening your inner being through the Ruach, the spirit is strengthening us and allowing us to come to an understanding of the fullness of the love of God so that we can then be filled and then partner with him and go out into the earth and spread the glory of the, or the knowledge of the glory of God. So we're the chosen vessel to do that. So he's forming us, he's filling us, and then sending us out to continue to fill the earth with the knowledge of who he is. We are carriers. In Corinthians, one of the Corinthians, <laughs> it says that, um, we are ambassadors of Christ. And it says though we have the ministry of reconciliation. It's as though God is making his appeal through us. So he's chosen, chosen us to be that vessel. So let's kind of take a, a leap back and we're going to go back to Genesis, which I seem to do in this class. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter one, verse one through five. And so here's, um, here's what it says. You guys know the story in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he formed, right? He, he formed these things, the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was chaos or without form is what this word chaotic means and waste or void or empty. So there was no form and there was no filling. You guys see this? So the father, Yahweh, he's, he's out looking over the face of the deep, as we see here in, in, in verse two, 
and he sees something that is chaotic. It has no form and without the form, it has no function and no purpose. And so it's empty. And then it says darkness was on the surface of the deep and the Ruach Elohim or the spirit of God was hovering upon the surface of the water. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. So God distinguished the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So there was evening and there was morning. There was one day. And so the earth was chaos or without form. And so we get some insight into the way that the father was seeing earth in its chaotic state. So it was without form. And so when he looked at something that was without form and had yet to be put together to have a purpose, he sees it. And I believe his heart is to then give it shape and give it function and give it purpose and then fill it. So when the Lord sees the empty place, he says, I'm going to go fill that place. His heart is to fill it. And so I often say at this point in time, like, How many of you in your past, maybe before you knew the Lord, felt like you were in a situation where your life had no purpose? There was a moment, there was a time in my life, and for some reason I've I've been talking about this more often. I've had two conversations, one um, a couple days ago and then one earlier today where I was talking about a time in my life where I was a very wayward child of God in that I had known the Lord or raised my hand, walked the aisle, felt a thing, cried some tears, made a decision, but wasn't fully in with the Lord. And I was back and forth a lot. And there came a time where I looked at my life and it was complete chaos. Another word Interestingly, for this word chaos or without form, actually it, a, another meaning is, is actually rubble. So that you would look at something that was rubble and it was indistinguishable from what it was before. So have you ever seen, you know, a, a building's been demolished? Um, you can tell if there's still some rubble there. You're like, oh, that was something before, but it's no longer what it was before. Um And so I looked at my life and I thought, I've laid waste to my life. I've taken this good thing that God has given me. I've taken these opportunities. I've taken the breath in my lungs and, and, you know, this, this life that he's given me and, and this voice. And I've taken these hands and these feet. I still remember very clearly, like there were times where I was, so I, I drank a lot of alcohol and I did a lot of drugs and I was in a lot of relationships and I had done some, some really selfish things and I'd hurt a lot of people one point in my life. And I remember looking down at my hands and I said, you know, I've not used these in the way that I know the Lord has intended. Like I've, I've hurt people with these hands. I've, I've done, I've hurt myself. I've hurt loved ones. And I just remember looking at essentially my body and everything that the Lord had formed and given me and, and realized that I'd not used it for the purpose in which he intended. I looked at my life and I was like, you know, I I've really done a number on myself. (laughs) Um, and I looked at my life and I just saw this chaos and this rubble. And I thought, man, what a waste, right? So 
without form and waste, void and empty. And there was an emptiness in my life. And I know this sounds like a traditional gospel message, but it's my story. And, you know, the Lord, he, he called me back to him one day, um, you know, very clearly. And I always tell the story about how I walked into my dad's church or a church that he intended, attended um, back in 2010. And it was a very small church. And uh, it was as though as soon as I walked into the doors, I went and I sat down in the back, <laughs> of course, because I had been not doing what I was supposed to be doing. So sit in the back so that God doesn't see me. And so I, I look up and it was as though the father was, I mean, his presence was just there. And I, I was like, oh man, he's here. <laughs> like I, I'm going to have to answer. And, uh, and it wasn't as dreadful as I thought it would be. There was a lot of remorse and a lot of shame and a lot of guilt, but it was as though he was saying, it's time to come back. And, um, so I wrestled with the Lord there for a while and I was like, well, you know, I've, I've done too much. I don't know what to do this, that, and the other. And, um, very long story short, I know it's time to essentially come back to the Lord, however you want to put it. And I remember going up front and the pastor asked me, you know, why are you up here? And I just said, I'm, I'm not the man right now that God created me to be. So again, I'm looking at my life and I'm realizing he's made me to be a certain way and he's given me a purpose or I mean a function. It sounds so mechanical or dry, but he's given me a purpose, a function in this world. And I have not fully stepped into that. And, uh, interestingly, as I've navigated my relationship with the father since that point in time, the biggest thing that has changed for me has not just been my actions, but it has been an understanding, a deeper understanding of the love that the father has for me. Right. So to, to understand the love that surpasses knowledge to then be filled. Right. So I know that I've, you've given me purpose and as I'm navigating into this purpose and stepping into that more, he's then revealing to me more of his love, which then fills me more with who he is. And so I remember meditating over this scripture one day and just, I'm in prayer and I'm just saying, thank you for, for forming me. Thank you for making me. Thank you for, for filling me with your spirit and with your love and with your presence. And, and, um, and I remember somebody saying this statement that God is only limited by the amount of emptiness that we bring him. So if you think about the story of the woman with the jars to be filled with oil, the more jars she brought, the more the oil flowed. So essentially the less emptiness that was present, that's when the oil stopped flowing. And so as we bring ourselves to the Lord empty in a sense to be filled. John the Baptist said, I must decrease. He must increase. So the more we die to self and we bring this emptiness to the Lord and we come saying, fill me, right? We, we bring ourselves to him. And I just remember saying this statement to the Lord and it like hit me like a, a ton of bricks. I said, I am the chaos and the void that you form and fill. And that just, it just did something to my heart. Like, wow, like this is what he desires to do to me. It's not just that he saw an empty earth and he says, okay, I have to form that and fill that. It's that 
This is who he is and this is his heart. So when he sees the empty space, he says, I have to go there. When he sees that his creation isn't functioning within his intended purpose, his heart and desire is to bring back the original purpose and intention of the way that he's created us. This is why his redemptive plan was always his redemptive plan. He's a redeeming God. There will be the redemption of, of all things. He will then he's in all and will fill all is what the scripture then says. So real quick, let's look at Genesis chapter two, verse seven through, or um, what is that? Seven and eight. Let me see here. So it says, then Adonai Elohim formed the man out of dust from the ground and he breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. So that man became a living being. Then Adonai Elohim planted a garden in Eden in the East. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Um, Let's look at Genesis 1 28 real quick. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the land and conquer it rule over the fish of the sea, the flying creatures of the sky and over every animal that crawls on the land. So here we get just a couple of more instances of a forming and a filling. So he formed the man out of the dust and then he breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. So when he fills these things, it's always himself that he puts there. Does that make sense? So he formed man and he put himself in us. He made us in his image and then he breathed into us the breath of life and the man became a living being. Interestingly, we get body. So our form out of the dust of the ground, he makes our body and he breathes into us the breath of life, which is his spirit. And then the man becomes a living being, which is soul. So we're body, we're soul and we're spirit. And the only reason that we have life is because of the breath of God. He is the one that gives us life and sustains all life. And so that that word ruach actually means breath or wind or spirit. So if we look back on the emptiness and the void and the Lord says, let there be light, the way that that light comes forth is through his speaking. So as he speaks forth, he uses his breath to say a word. And so his spirit and his life goes forth and creates life. And so the same thing happens, um, or creates light and life. And so the same thing happened with us. He's got this body that he forms and it has no life. So it has, it's not able to be and exist and function in the way that he's created it. And so he then breathes his breath into it becomes a living being. So then he plants a garden in the East. So he forms an environment and then he puts man there who he's formed. And he says, now you, Adam and Eve, my created beings in my image, whom I love, who I will walk with and be with in the cool of the day. So not only am I forming this space and putting you here, but I'm here too. I'm forming it and I'm filling it. My presence to be present for back lack of a better phrase. And so if this is the image of God, right? We look at the image of God. What is that? Do we look like him? Sound like him? We have his heart, but not only that, but he puts in us this ability to create, 
So in the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth. He forms it and he fills it. And then he makes man and he says, okay, now you go be fruitful and multiply. I want you to continue to fill. So you take on my attribute of being able to fill a space and do that by multiplying and being fruitful and filling this space and uh, fill the land and conquer it and rule over it. So in the same way that the Lord um, he governs and he oversees. He also puts that in our DNA that we would do the same. So let's look real quick, kind of moving along Genesis 12, one through three. This is kind of where we'll take a little bit of a turn, but we're still going to continue seeing this forming and filling idea that the Lord invites us into that. How am I trying to say this into this recurring theme so we see the forming, the filling, the earth, and then his spirit, and then the light, and then the trees, and he makes the sea, and then he puts the creatures, and it teems with creatures, and then he makes the land, and it teems with everything crawling, and then he makes man, and then fills it, and then he makes the garden, and fills it, right? So here's what he's doing. He's continuing. The, it's So have you ever seen, you know what concentric circles are, where it starts one in the middle, and then it kind of goes out. So it's like you throw a rock in a pond and then it makes the ripple and it goes out. So we have creation and it's as though the Lord dropped a boulder into a large body of water and that was creation. And now it's just continuing to ripple out. So if you think about also when he spoke and he said, let there be light, he created the, um, the heavens and the earth. We know that one of the translations of the heavens is the the sky, the universe, the where the stars reside, where the planets are, where the galaxies are. We know that it, it says that he breathed the stars into the sky and that he measured out the galaxies with the span of his hand, right? If we look at science, it says that the universe is ever expanding. They are just continuing to to explore and to find that the universe is continuing to go and continuing to go. And so it's belief that even the scientific, the science world will say, okay, there was a bang and then it shot out and it's continued to create and go. Well, the bang was the Lord saying, let there be, and then it expanded, but the creation has continued to expand and the Lord has invite us, invited us into that and has given us the power to continue to create and to fill. And so that creation is continuing to expand out. So it was from Eden, and then it goes out. If you look at this, Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples. And then he goes on to say that, uh, we're going to look at it here in just a little while, but it says, um, starting in Jerusalem and then Judea, or Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and then the ends of the earth. So he's saying it starts... And then it ripples out and it goes. So even Jesus with giving his command to be a part of his plan, the plan is that it starts and then it continues to go. So um, Genesis 12, verse one through three, then Adonai said to Abram, get going out from your land. So he's saying it's not always about just staying in one place. It's about expanding out. You know, the scripture that says expand the cords of your tent, lengthen and expand your territory. So he says, get going out from your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
I love this phrase. My heart's desire is to make you into a great nation, to bless you, to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you, but whoever curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I'll keep going. Verse four, you don't have it on your notes. It says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the star in the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, through your multiplication, through your continual filling of the earth, through the people that I've chosen, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And so the Lord sees the earth. He begins to create, he forms, he fills, and now he's filling the earth with his people. And so in this moment, we get the father revealing his heart to Abram, get going out from your land, go to a land I'm going to show you in my heart's desire. So here's where we, where we kind of take a little bit of a turn as the Lord begins to reveal his plan to us. It comes in the form or as he begins to invite us into this plan that he has, he invites us into his will. He begins to reveal himself to man in the way of asking people to partner with his plan, but also revealing his heart's desire in revealing that will. So let me just try to make that statement in a more solid way. The father is inviting us into relationship with him so that we may know him, understand his glory, know his love, be filled with his fullness, but also partner in his will in continuing to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory and his love and his presence. And when he invites us to partner in that, it comes in the form of us, of him revealing his heart's desire. So we don't have a God that just says, okay, I formed you and here's your function. Now go. There's always a revealing of the purpose based on his heart. He says, I want you to know my heart behind the matter. How many times have you in a conversation had to stop and say, okay, hold on. Let me just try and explain my heart behind this situation here. here here's my heart behind this. I really want you to understand. I want you to get it. I want you to see and understand where I'm coming from. I want you to know a little bit more about the depths of my desires in why I'm saying this. So as we discipline our children, as we try and get our kids to understand why they should be doing their chores or why they should treat people a certain way. It's not just go and do the command always has to do with the heart of the father. We talked a little bit about this last week. I think <laughs> maybe it was somewhere else. I preached. I can't remember, but the father is giving the command based on his heart's desire. He's going and telling Abram to pick up and leave. He's commanding him to go, but he's saying, here's why I want you to know why I'm inviting you into my will. And we're going to partner together to bring this about. And so if we look at, uh, move on real quick to Matthew, uh, 16, 18, it says, and I tell you that you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Again, just another scripture that's kind of supporting this idea that the church is expanding. The church is the people of God filling the earth. So now where he had invited 
Abram and given him a command and told him to go and fill the earth. I kind of hit this already. The church, the ecclesia has received the command of making disciples and going and being a witness and being the people that are carrying forth the heart and the mind and the will of the father. We're not just commanded to go because this is God's plan. And I mean, a lot of times we'll say, well, the Bible says, and this is our command. And so we just need to do it. We just need to be obedient. Do you know that? I think it's a lot easier. Jesus, Jesus said, my commands are not burdensome. And so I think that when we understand the heart behind the commands, when the Lord shares his heart with us and gives us his heart, he says, I'll write your laws on, on your, I'll write my laws on your heart. I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and cause you to walk in my ways. It's an understanding of his heart. It's an alignment of his will and his mind and his heart that I think then really truly allow us to be free to then go and be obedient to what he's calling us to do. So real quick, Acts 2, 1 through 4, we're going to see a filling of the body of Christ with the spirit, the Ruach of God to then go and continue filling the earth with the knowledge of God and with his presence. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. So again, we've got this interesting scenario where the word of the Lord, Lord goes first, goes forth. His breath goes forth. His word goes forth. His Ruach, his spirit goes forth and creates life and light creates life in man, light in the earth. Um, and then we see that now the church, again, that chosen vessel to continue moving forth the plan and the will of God to fill the earth with his love, with his knowledge, with his glory, with his spirit and his presence. So it says suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. So again, we get it. It's from the father. It's from heaven to earth. It's a supernatural occurrence of spiritual meeting physical and so the wind came from heaven and filled. So there's that word again, filled the whole house where they were sitting. So again, we have this parallel of a filling of a, of a, of a space with the spirit of God. And this time it's the people of God, right? Again. So this is a redeeming of the people of God from the fall, right? So when we sinned, we will surely die so what died in that moment? They were body, they were formed out of dust and they were filled with spirit and they were given breath and they were moving and living being. And so if we think about what actually died, it was our spirit, right? So even while you were in your transgressions, you were dead. We were spiritually dead to the heart of God to be obedient to his commands. And so here we have essentially a resurrection of the people of God so the people of God had sinned and so they'd gotten away from their original purpose and their original function. And so there was a fall, there was a death, there was a chaos amongst the people of God. They'd grabbed on to law and since they grabbed on to the knowledge of good and evil, they grabbed on to death. And so there was death within 
the creation of God. And so he sees this and his purpose was to always be with his people, to always be present. If you think about the uh, tabernacle, he says, build the tabernacle and I will come and tabernacle with you. I will be a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke. I will be with you. We get Jesus then who comes in the flesh and he takes on flesh and he's the light of man. So in Genesis one, I'm all over the place now, but I'm trying to make all the parallels in Genesis one. We see that in the beginning was the word and the word came forth as the creation, his, his breath, his wind. And so then now in John chapter one, we get the word manifest in Jesus. And so in him was the fullness of the deity of God. All of that life came in and he was a living, moving being, and he was the light of men. So in one breath, he says, let there be light. When he sends Christ, he sends the true light of man. So there's a parallel there. So what's happening is we're seeing a resurrection, a reforming and a refilling of the original intent of the people of God to carry his spirit into the earth. And so you've got the church, the ecclesia being filled with the spirit of God on the day of Pentecost, right? A wind, a breath, a ruach came and filled the house. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So now the church is the Spirit-filled, regenerated, resurrected, redeemed people of God who are partnering with the Lord, filled with His Spirit, the knowledge of his glory and his love and going and continuing to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. I hope all this is, is making sense. And so it's such an amazing thing to me to consider this that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God's desire was always to be with his people. And so we see that he made the garden. He put his people there. He came and he walked with them in the cool of the day. He gave them commands. Even after they sinned, he came to check on them. Where are you? I want to be with you. Where have you gone? Well, we've hidden from you. And so the only reason they were kicked out of the garden was because they were not allowed to eat then of the tree of life and have that eternal life in that fallen state of sin. But God's heart was always to be with his people. And he did that over and over again. And so he made the tabernacle and he filled it. He came with the people of God out of the desert and his presence was there. They built the temple and in the Holy of Holies, once a year, the Lord would come and fill that space. We get Jesus 
whose name then is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. His heart is to be with us first and foremost. So then you get the church where we are now in this age that we are formed. We've been formed by God. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus is building a space. He's raising up a group of people and he's sending a spirit to fill them. And not only that, but to be with us, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I command them. And surely I will be with you even unto the end of the age. He said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come for you. It's better that I go away for if I didn't, well, then the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter would not come, but I'm sending him. And so we're now sealed and marked with the Spirit of God as His children. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God has taken His abode within us. So where once He formed a garden and came and was there and met with His people, where there was a tabernacle and He came and He met with His people, where there was a Holy of Holies and He came and He met with His people, and then Jesus in the flesh came and met with his people, but he's saying, this isn't my final form. This isn't my final way of filling. So now we're in the church age where his presence is now with us. The primary mark of the true church of God is whether or not his presence is there. The primary mark of whether or not somebody is a son or a daughter of God, is whether or not his presence is with them and has filled them. In Revelation, it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And it says there's no more need for a light in the sky. There's not going to be sun or darkness or tears or any of these things. But that the new heaven will meet the new earth. So there will be a bringing together of the father with his people at that final ceremony, at that final feast where there's the marriage and the consummation of the father to his people in that final act of being with his people. When he says, and I will be with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. And so there's this narrative all throughout the scriptures and it's such a beautiful narrative to me. And so there's two things I want us to take away from this. One, we're going to talk a lot about the will of God and partnering in the will of God and our purpose on earth and our destiny in this earth and the things that we should do and how we can get detailed understanding of the good works that we're supposed to be doing and the ministries we're to start and the relationships that we're going to be in and the way that we navigate and walk this earth and how we tap into the heart of God and get our purpose right? And, and, and we, we say, what is your desire? I want to partner with that. I want to do things for you. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to build your kingdom. I want to do all these things. We're invited into that. But the most important thing is that we're invited to be with the father and that he's with us. And the number one thing about this entire, this entire thing, Christianity and faith is that 
It's our relationship with him is that the most, it's the most important thing. I believe that his number one desire was always to be with his people. And for us now, that's his number one desire. There's a scripture that says, Jesus called to himself the disciples that they might be with him and that they would preach the gospel and that they would cast out demons. And so we, we look at, if you want to look at it in a linear fashion, Jesus called his disciples to him to be with him. And it was the relationship with them. It's, it was the withness. It was the being with Yeshua that would then lead to the preaching that would then lead to the supernatural works that would follow the preaching of the gospel. So we saw that the spirit of God came and filled where the disciples were. And then they begin to preach. And as they preached, they were doing the good works as they went out to do the work of the Lord and proclaim his kingdom. The works of the spirit followed, but it was all about being filled with the spirit and then doing the will and seeing the supernatural partnership that happened. So it's so important that we grasp number one, if we're talking about beyond limits and we're talking about supernatural, supernatural possibility, it's so important that we don't focus so much on the supernatural possibility that we forget about the intention of the Lord's heart to be with us first and foremost. A lot of times we get the cart before the horse. We want to do the ministry. We want to see the miracles and we forget to just be with the Lord. And so he's formed you. He has made you look at, look at your surroundings. Look at all of the things that you've been given and granted in this life, your relationships, all of the environments that you are a part of your workplace, your your office, um, your home, your relationships, your vehicle, your presence at the store, those kinds of things. There's this idea of, we call it separation theology, where we think that Yahweh is over there and we're here and we have to somehow get to him. But the truth of the matter is, and Jesus said this, that the kingdom of God is within you. And if the father comes and resides within us, well, then where is he? Is he out there or is he here? Is he with us? Is he with us? And a lot of times we forget that present nature of the father. And so a lot of times I will go to pray and I will begin to pray out as though God is far away. And something that's really changed in my heart recently and in my prayer is that I now pray within. I I don't know if this is making sense to you, but if the father says he's with me, well, then I focus on him with me. I don't focus on him apart from me. He, his desires to be with us. His desire is always that he would form and fill us. He created Adam and then breathed into him and took on that DNA of who he was, took on his image. And then as he gave him command and purpose within the garden, he also came to be with him, right? The father's heart was to be with Adam and Eve 
in the garden, co-laboring, partnering with them in relationship, communication, communion, so much so that he came looking for them one day and said, where are you? My heart and my desire is to be with you. I'm looking for you. Where are you? Where have you gone? Well, we've hidden because we've been filled with shame and guilt. The more that we understand the love of God, the more that we understand that he sacrificed in such a way that we've now been reconciled to him, there's no more shame or guilt. We have a clear conscience before the Lord. We understand the depth, the height, the width, the greatness of his love. And as we begin to understand that his love for us, it brings us closer. And as it brings us closer to him, it fills us up more and more with the fullness of God so that his presence is with us. And so I would challenge you in this because I've done this before in my going to the father, in my going to the throne room, in my approaching the throne so that I might receive mercy and grace in my time of need. Oftentimes I've groveled at the feet of the Lord coming so shameful and guilty as though I've been hiding from God, but his desire is for me. And so when I come, it's almost as he's like, he said, well, where have you been? (laughs) I desire to be with you. And so I would grovel. And he corrected me one day as I came to him and he said, you need to stop thinking about all the things you've done or haven't done, which is law or works. And he says, you think about what he's done. I see you through the lens of what Christ has done. And because he's perfect And I spoke over him, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And you are now in his image. You've taken on the image of Yeshua. You are a son of God. Then the father sees you with that Jesus suit on. And so as you walk, you come beloved and he's pleased with you. So as you understand a deeper understanding of his love, we're filled more and it brings us closer to him so that there's no longer a separation, but there's an absolute an absolute withness. There's a, there's a togetherness. There's a relationship that's bound by love that cannot be ripped apart. And so as we move forward in talking about purpose and destiny, all these things, we just have to grasp that, that the love of God for us is so deep and so great and so wide that he did that to reconcile us to himself. So when we've run and hidden in shame and guilt, he says, no, come and be with me. Come close and be with me. My heart's desire has always been to be with you. And that is still my heart's desire. And so we have to navigate this earth and everything else that we do in this Christian life with as solid of an understanding of that as we possibly can. And so I encourage you to consider What great love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God, and so we are.